From Real Ghost Stories Online.com. Welcome to another episode of Real Ghost Stories Online. I'm Tony Bruski, joined as always by Jenny Bruski. Welcome to another episode of our program. Of course, thank you for subscribing if you have already done that. If not, please do click that subscribe button on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, wherever you may be listening to us. And of course, we ask you very kindly and thank you in advance for uh, telling a friend about the show, commenting about the show, giving us some stars there, a little bit of feedback. All of that helps us grow the show every single week, lets more people know about us, and uh, helps us get more great, real ghost stories in to share with you, and ultimately deliver a better product to you every single week. Astral projection. That's one of the words that I couldn't think of the other week when we were talking about uh, ghosts, uh, or, or the living ghost, people who are alive that uh, have made themselves visible to other living people. Okay. I'm talking, I'm yeah, talking about I remember that. Where people were saying that they were seeing the, essentially the the image or the ghost of a living loved one in their house and the living loved one's right down the hall sleeping. Okay. That is what that is called. I was informed uh, on the internets. And that's an interesting, interesting topic. I'd love if more people had uh, some thoughts on that or some stories about that. Because that really... I want to know how to, to astral project myself somewhere. Like when our girls are dating, just kind of randomly show up. There I am. Yep, in a ghostly form. I want to learn how to do it now, so I'm ready to go then. <laughs> I think that would be totally awesome. Dad, quit astral projecting yourself. Yes, exactly. Our girls would love that. So, there you go. Astral projection. Uh, we got some calls on the show today. Of course, your ghost stories. The phone number to call if you have a real ghost story is toll-free, 855-853-4802, 855-853-4802. On our Facebook feed, I uh, put a link up to, uh, while it's not an old ghost town, it is a modern ghost town, and there's a lot of these. Right now, this is a story that was done by uh, Huffington Post, and it's showing some of Ireland's suburban ghost towns. And if you're not familiar with a modern ghost town, here's essentially what it is. It was in around oh, pre-2008, lots of money out there, lots of people buying second homes, vacation homes, all these beautiful, picturesque communities that are essentially... I always think of them kind of almost Stepford Wife-ish. Right. Because Cookie they're, cutter. Yeah, they're just too good to be mm-hmm. naturally, <laughs> you know, occurring communities, if you will. Anyway, uh, Ireland has one of these that's now making the rounds in photos of these you know, picturesque, beautiful homes, beautiful settings, and they are all completely vacant and probably just going to sit there and rot. You know, eventually they will be the falling apart homes, but they still look very pristine and very nice and uh, but creepy, creepy nonetheless. And there's a lot of these around. Uh, China has some. Have you seen the Chinese uh, communities? Oh, my God. Vice did a story on this. uh, I don't know, about a year ago. And there was one of the Vice stories that was on HBO and they have metropolis size ghost cities that a lot of them were based theme wise on other cities there's a paris in china complete with an eiffel tower oh really yeah and and it it is i believe almost to scale okay um 
it's it's I know it's it's not quite as big as a real one, but it's bigger than the Las Vegas one. Okay. So I think it's like three fourth scale because Vegas I think is one half scale. I think you're right. Yes. And this then and it's essentially used for wedding pictures now. That's all it is. People go there and they just take pictures near it because you can't go in it. It's not manned. It's not running. It's just built. And then there's like Parisian streets and storefronts and all these beautiful condos uh, that people that was designed to buy and live in. And there's, I guess, some people here and there that are living in some of these places, but there it's like one person in like a mega tower or something or a mega monstrosity condo complex that bought the place they got in there and now they're the only one and nobody's maintaining it that's just bizarre i, I wonder what the thought process or lack of thought process the was thought process was people are going to buy these they had money and that there was so much disposable income at that moment in time and it, it was a lot of foreigners who were buying property outside of their own countries going i'm going to go vacation and get these homes 2008 happened everybody said i'm not investing in this anymore and everybody kind of did it at once and the properties were already built with the assumption these investors are ready or the the buyers are ready to go and be here gone it's just like what happened in las vegas las vegas is a lot of ghost buildings too right right and i mean there are ghost towers there's there's one and i i uh uh Fontaine blue i believe is what it's called and it is a giant tower that you can see off in the distance a little bit all glass nothing's in it nothing's in it at all and there's halfway built buildings this one's fairly well almost done Mm -hmm. but stopped and that to me is just as creepy as the old western ghost towns okay see i've been to those i've been to one specifically in colorado it's called saint elmo Mm -hmm. and it's almost perfectly preserved and i've been there a couple of times never experienced anything weird but it was just really strange because if you park at the far end of the main street and you just walk up and down which is what most of the tourists do you forget where you are you can lose yourself in the time frame it's just it's it's strange it's very much like that um documentary we watched where they talked about different towns in america that are like that they have one in in, uh, california Mm -hmm. as well that's pretty well preserved um but it it is. It, it's something to go see. It just is. It is creepy. The the emptiness of it. The I don't know. It's it's so hard to put your finger on it. But the pictures just. I, I love looking at the pictures because I mean, especially like the urban exploration, Detroit, for example. Yeah. That's just sad. But some of these, like the old ghost towns and the new ghost towns, to me, they're almost one and the same. They just have that. I mean, one you can obviously has more history to it. There was people living in it, but. I think the new ones, it was just kind of this thought of hope and excitement and gone. Well, and a lot of that is along with the old ghost towns of the West, too, because a lot of those were re- related around some type of, type of boom, some yeah. kind of mining boom. Uh, San Elmo was a gold mine town. But people actually lived there. Yeah, 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 they did. But, you know, all that energy came in, all the mm-hmm. life, people were doing great. And then, you know, well... We, we've used all that up, we're gone, and they take off. So it makes it makes me almost wonder if some of the modern ghost towns that have popped up that with just the buildings in them, is that a ground that's ripe for haunting with the, the energy that was there, you know, and now just the sadness? Because, I mean, there was a lot of depression, there's a lot of suicides, a lot of bad things that happened to a lot of people uh, in 2008. 
you know, probably a lot of folks who would have thought of if they were ready to get their fourth house, you know, in mm-hmm. one of these places, if they lost everything, there was a lot of things that didn't end so well for a lot of folks. I Is there the possibility that if they're out haunting someplace, they're out haunting that home that they were going to that they never got a chance to buy. You know, I don't know. I just, because there's, there's a lot, of, I just think there'd be energy directed at it, even if it was never quite there. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't, know. don't know. That's hard to say. I would think there'd have to be more of a history of, yeah. you know, a person and, and time spent there, yeah. which it doesn't sound like very many, if any, are spending much yeah. time there. So, is it, I wonder if these, are these places like utterly the least likely to be haunted? Now, what, or are they, Fairly likely. I don't know. It's like, it's either going to be one or the other. I feel. Well, what did they bulldoze to build these that nothing's there? Because a lot of these places, nothing. Okay. A lot of these just popped up over vacant land. Okay. Because I was going to say, if they had to disturb things, that could, you know, sure. incite some activity. Sure. But no, I think a lot of these were just vacant areas. There's another um, creepy town. And um, I apologize if you're there listening, although I doubt you are because it's a very small area in Michigan that reminds me, and it's not a ghost town, but it has that feel of Stepford Wives to it. Okay. And it's it's extremely picturesque. And these were built um, before 2008 and luckily got populated, but had this thing burst slightly before uh, or, or right on top of it. I mean, I, I'm guessing the expansion of these areas probably hasn't been all too keen, but um, right outside of Petoskey, I believe the town is called Bay Harbor. Okay. And I should just Google that because there's there's a lot of towns up there that are very beautiful. And this is a beautiful place. Uh, let me just see. I want to make sure I'm I'm not uh, insulting the wrong town. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, oh, that's not your town. Yes, it is Bay Harbor. Uh, here it is. And it, it is beautiful. Um, and they have hotels there that are like listed as... Uh, some of the best in the world. Lots of money there. Lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of money there. Um, and the thing is, you're you're driving along the coastline in Michigan, right on Lake Michigan, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, pops up this Disneyland-esque looking building, this huge hotel, this whole huge manufactured downtown storefronts, and these homes that look like, I don't know how to describe them. It's like something out of a, a story fairy tale book. Mm-hmm. And it's just too perfect. It, it was just too perfect. And I remember walking around there because I lived in that area for a little while. And I always felt a little bit out of place. Nowhere near the money level. I mean, we're talking, this is like billionaires. Okay. You know, this is money. Um, and I'd go down there and get some cheese. <laughs> get some wine. I always kind of got looked at like, well, you don't belong here. You don't belong here. Um, the only other analogy I can make to that area is eyes wide shut. You felt like that's probably going on around there. There's got to be that sort of weird ass stuff. And I didn't want to be around to be a human sacrifice, you know, when they're having the orgy down the road, you know, and I'm not saying you're doing that in Bay Harbor. You're a very nice community. I'm sure I'll visit you again. But, <laughs> There you go. But that's how it felt. <laughs> like someone's going to sneak up on me wearing a mask. Uh, you're not one of us. We're going to sacrifice you at the orgy down by the docks, down by the marina tonight. Wow. 
Maybe my mind was, maybe, maybe that's just my anxiety. It could be. I could see that. I could see that definitely being an anxious moment. It was an odd area. Wow. But beautiful. Beautiful nonetheless, but a little, little bit odd. Um, rest of that area in Michigan, though, I never, I wasn't creeped out. But that place, I don't know, a little too manufactured. Because it didn't exist, you know, 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. Or maybe, maybe it's right when it started. But before then, just a plot of land. And now it's, whew. You know, I was looking at the picture there of the hotel, and it looks a lot like the Hotel Del Coronado in San Diego yeah. that I've been wanting to take you to. That is a known place for hauntings. Yes. Very famous. That would be a good one to investigate. And, I mean, this one, it's so new. I, I doubt there's many hauntings in it. Mm-hmm. But, um, but, yeah, you would love this hotel, too. It's really, it's very beautiful. And it's also where I uh, got that. This is the hotel where I got the recipe for the uh, spring uh, the spring rolls with the goat cheese in them and uh, and mushrooms. And we're going to talk about food now for the rest of now. But uh, it's a great, great recipe. And you dip them in, like, some apple cider sauce. It's mm-hmm. great. Anyhow. Uh, so there you go. Uh, that's our rant about <laughs> ghost towns. Let's go to a call. And if you have a call, if you'd like to call in with your real ghost story, the phone number again 855-853-4802, 855-853-4802 to share your real ghost story. Hello, you are on the air on Real Ghost Stories Online. Well, this happened about uh, 15 or so years ago in Glendale, California. Uh, I was in our spare bedroom looking at the side yard. I couldn't tell you why. There's nothing to see out there for some reason I was. And I suddenly became aware that there was a boy in the side yard in front of me. Uh, it's not like he appeared, I just suddenly noticed he was there. Uh, he was wearing a uh, blue jeans, a white t-shirt, and a long sleeve shirt over it uh, with closely, uh, neatly parted uh, short black hair. Uh, but the truly bizarre thing was, he was moving in slow motion. Uh, he was slowly turning and he was pointing at somebody, or I assume, it looked like he was pointing at somebody, although I couldn't see anyone else and laughing or shouting at them in some sort of joyous way like you would see a boy playing. Um, And I also noticed he was making no sound. There was absolutely no sound coming from him. Now our side yard is full of leaves and that whole area is an echo chamber. So if you step in that side yard, uh, you can be heard uh, throughout the house. And uh, that loud crunching gives it away. You know if someone's in the side yard, but there's no sound coming from him. And then he turned uh, seemed to look right through me or through the area I was standing in and ran out of the side yard. Well, I tore out of there to the front yard. I probably got to the street in about seven seconds. Uh, nothing. No one on the street. Not even, not just a boy, but literally no one. Uh, I saw some wind blowing some leaves down the street, like something out of a horror movie. Um, now, our street curves sharply to the left after my house, uh, and then there's a huge hedge blocking that road, so it's possible he could have run up the neighbor's yard and were out there, although I would have heard him running. But even if he did do that, or if he hid somewhere, that doesn't explain the slow motion or the fact that he made no sound. Uh, the way he was dressed makes me think 50s, although um, it could have been any time from the 30s to the 90s. And uh, our area where we or houses were built around the late 30s, so I'm assuming that it was some time after that. I don't know if anyone's been uh, killed on our property or anything, but um, it's something I'm thinking about looking into now. Uh, so long ago, it's, it's starting to fade. It's good to talk to a believer about it. But anyway, thank you, Tony. Big fan. I've uh, been li- uh, listening since Saturday, and I'm a you got a subscriber in me, so keep them coming. 
And uh, thank you for listening to my story. Thank you for uh, calling in and sharing uh, that story to us. Uh, a slow motion ghost. Well, one way to know for sure if a child is a ghost, they make no noise because all living children make noise. That's <laughs> true. They should have known right that's a ghost. Yes. You see any child that's quiet, and that is not a real child. No. <laughs> <laughs> Just that's so how you know right away. Um, I've never heard that one before of, of a ghost moving in slow motion. No. That's interesting, and that almost that makes me think that it's almost like an energy pattern or something where where you hear that of ghosts, where it's the same thing over and over and over. The woman carrying the child up and down the stairwell, mm-hmm. um, you know, things of that nature. It'd be interesting if other people see that same child going through those same motions in the same slow motion on that property. Uh, you know, at, at other times, because I don't know. There's there's something that makes you what? Because there was no interaction with the ghost, was there? No, and, there and wasn't. The ghost wasn't interacting with anyone else. No. Huh. I like that he was clear enough that you could tell almost what time period he was from. Yeah. You know, and it'd be very interesting to see if anything happened to a child in that area mm-hmm. during any of that time period that we're talking about you know because it could have been maybe a child that wasn't necessarily hurt on the property but in the area that was abducted and trying yeah. to find its way home or something like that if you're the ghost with the energy thing going on is that i wonder is, is is that a conscious entity i think if it's if it's just the energy flowing back and forth i'm guessing that that person is probably not there the consciousness is not there. I don't think so. I guess that's kind of relieving when you're hearing about the ghost of a child. I, I hate the idea of like a kid being stuck, you know. Although if he's joyous and having a good time, mm-hmm. that's better than a lot of the stories of the kids that are kind of plagued in this purgatory-like state and they're looking for help. Now, I have a question because I'm not as familiar with all the terminology and the different things ghosts and demons can and cannot do. But if the ghost looks and they, I hear over and over, they look to see, they seem to look right through you. Mm-hmm. Are they not seeing us all the time? I don't know. I mean, I think some of them do, and I think some of them don't. I think in some cases, too, I think they're almost just as spooked to see us as we are of them. Mm-hmm. In some cases. And that's where I think they're all kind of on different levels and planes. I think some are able to interact with each other. I think we are ghostly to them because I think some of them are actually maybe just living in their own world. Mm-hmm. And it's in the same physical location we are. But I think maybe the objects that they're seeing and using around them are not the same ones that we have. Okay. You know, I don't know. I mean, none, I mean, obviously none of this is an I know the answer. No, but, but I but, was just curious yeah. if you had, had talked yeah. about that before. I think some do, some don't. I think okay. it really just depends what what kind of spirit it is. And that's the thing, that there's, there's so many spirits. It's not just one type of ghost or energy that's out there. Okay. That's my assumption, anyway. I'm sure I'll be challenged with that shortly with some other story. I'll be like, oh, okay, maybe this changes that whole opinion. But well, write in and tell us. We want that's, to know. Uh, no, and that's fine. It's just every story I read, I get a little more... <laughs> I question everything even more. You know, there's mm-hmm. never... You think you're going to kind of come up with some solution or some direction on what you believe in this topic. 
And I believe in the topic. I just am more unsure of it than I ever had been after hearing all of these stories. And I am, after every episode, more and more unsure of what is what. Okay, so you're unsure of whether some things are ghostly and some things aren't? I'm, I'm unsure of, of how many types of ghostly things there are. Okay. Of the different levels of them. It's, uh, I, I, I don't look at things anymore as just a ghost is a ghost. Okay. Whereas when I think I started doing this show, it was ghosts are one thing. Mm-hmm. I think there's so many different types of ghosts and so many different ways that they interact with us, can interact with us, the rules of being a ghost. Um, and I think there's some things that don't even really, I don't think you can even categorize it as a ghost because it's just evil. Sure. And and it's, so that's where I'm coming from is, oh, I believe in the topic full heartedly. I just, there there's so many levels to the topic. No, I knew you were a believer. Yeah. I just wasn't sure exactly what you meant by that. Because I, in my mind, I thought, okay, we have poltergeists, we have apparitions, we have orbs, and we have demons. And that's all I really mm-hmm. knew of. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of thought okay. I thought the topic was more so like maybe a pamphlet, you know, you pick up outside of the Denny's, you know, <laughs> in Pahrumpf when you're, you know, on a, a vacation. Oh, okay, here's what's going to be around, and there's a, no, and it turns out it's more like the phone book of Chicago, circa 1988. Okay, as far as all the variations of what's in there, it's not just this little. You know, it's it's impossible to know the answers to any of this stuff. The phone number to call if you have a real ghost story is 855-853-4802, 855-853-4802, hours a day, seven days a week to share your real ghost story. Got a letter here. This comes here from Gabriel. Gabriel writes in, I live in an apartment uh, housing building with my mom and my older sister. It was 1 a.m. and I was watching a movie and talking to my friends as usual, like a teenager. Uh, would do, and I may remind you, this is the summer, and lots of parties are going on uh, as this usual hour, but uh, at this night, there wasn't. I got tired and didn't want to continue on watching the movie, so I turned off the movie and put on my television on low because I hated the quiet during the night. I turned on my lamp, and there was my room, and I began to lay down and dozed off. Around one twenty, I woke up to the sound of someone screaming far off in the distance, Coming from down the street, I didn't pay any mind attention to it because I thought it was a party still ongoing and people are enjoying themselves like any person would do. Then it was 1.30 and I woke from the same scream again, only hearing it closer to my room now, and it sounded like it was coming from my backyard and I was absolutely terrified. And again, I thought I was crazy and my mind is playing tricks on me until I put my head down again and only this time to hear it. My ear, I jumped up out of bed and looked up, panicking to see... On the side of my TV, which is a glass door to see the reflection of a girl without eyes and her mouth open screaming, I grabbed my pillows and items and ran out of my bedroom to my living room and slept the night there. I still sleep in this exact same room, but nothing has ever occurred again, and I hope nothing ever does. There you go. That sounds like something out of a horror movie. It does. It does. And it's weird that it only happened the one time. Yeah. I was thinking there was something going on there with the time because he mentioned he woke up at the same time. I know he didn't. It was one twenty and one thirty. I'm sorry. I was thinking he was going to say he kept waking up at the same time over and over. And I, we know what that's from. Yeah, from Groundhog Day, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> but I, have you ever had that where you wake up and you could have sworn you'd been sleeping for long periods of time and 
you, you look last like there. Last time you look at the clock, it's one thirty. You wait. You dream. You're sitting there with your eyes shut. You can pretty well comprehend that long, drawn-out dream you just had. And you're thinking, well, the alarm's probably going to be going off soon. It's got to be almost time to get up. You look over at your clock, and it's like one thirty-five. Yeah, I call that bonus night, because that's where you feel like you get extra sleep. <laughs> I know, I love that. I do too. But at the same time, it kind of creeps me out, because it's like, how the hell did that happen? It's like, are, remember when you used to dub cassette tapes? From on a boombox mm-hmm. where you would have and mine had like this feature where you could do the fast dubbing mm-hmm. and it would dub the tape in twice the speed but then you played it back it'd be normal speed it's almost like that I'm wondering can you does your mind essentially work in like fast forward did you actually dream in fast forward but the way you're registering it is just in normal speed maybe that's the only way I can comprehend that this would work because if I were to simply go back at that point in time and explain the dream I just had, it would take me like an hour <laughs> to get through everything that just happened in that dream. It was not a five-minute dream. See, when I've had that, I don't know that I've had a real complicated dream in the in the time. It's like I wake up and I feel like, okay, I've slept probably, you know, the whole night, mm-hmm. get up to go to the restroom or something, and then come back, and I'm like, oh, wow, it's only like 1.30-ish. Sure. But... I think that's just me just sleeping extra hard for whatever reason and feeling more rested. I don't know that I've had the fast forward dream. I have that because they will be in-depth, multi-event dreams Mm -hmm. where I feel like I'm really rested. It'd be interesting almost to test it. I wouldn't do this because I'm enjoying the bonus night and getting some extra sleep. Mm -hmm. But it would be interesting if at that point when I do feel totally rested and I think the alarm's going to go off, I'm about to get up, and really only about five minutes have passed, mm-hmm. if I did in fact get up, would I be completely rested? Would I be able to just, bam, it's like morning and ready to function? I don't know. You know? I, I, I never do that. I never get up yeah. to find out. I don't think your body would be, I mean, maybe mentally I'd be kind of ready, but I, I think it'd be almost like, like an energy drink or a five-hour energy, <laughs> you know, where... You may have that little burst, Mm -hmm. and you think you're good, but then about two hours into it, you're going to be like, oh, shit, this was not the best move, (laughs) you know? I have a question since we're talking about dreams. Have you ever dreamt of being someplace, and it seems really real, but then you know you've never been there, but then later on you go to this place, and like, I feel like I've been here, and I know I've never been here, but I Mm -hmm. feel like I have. I think I've dreamt that I've been here. Have you ever done that? Yeah, that's uh, it's kind of deja vu-ish, isn't it? It well, yeah, kind of is. I mean, I guess you are doing something that you think you've done, but it's more places you've been yeah. rather than actions or tasks that you've sure. done. So, no, I was just curious if if you've ever experienced. Have you? That. Do you have an yes. example? Well, the other day we went to that park, the new park that we took the girls walking at, out okay. kind of south of town. Uh-huh. I've never been there. Swear, I've never been there. I've lived here 22 years, never been there. I feel like I knew that park, mm-hmm. like I had been there before. And I know that um, I've dreamt being someplace that either was very similar to that, but I just felt like I knew that and I, I felt very comfortable there. Sure. It was very strange. Remember, I told you yeah. I felt like I knew this place. Yeah. And th- that park was similar to some other ones in the city, but I get what you're saying, where it, it is a distinct. Mm-hmm. feeling. I've had that where, and I figured out what it had been sometimes, mm-hmm. and this was more so, I had this a lot back um, in Wisconsin, um, where 
I would be a teenager somewhere going to a supper club or something, and I'd be like, I've not, I know I've not been here, you know, or I, I my parents, I'd be with my parents, and I, I know in my adult life, at least I'd never been there, but I could like pick out where certain things were and where different things would be. And I was just puzzled by it. And they're like, oh, yeah, we brought you here when you were, like, in your carrier. Okay, so you just had very early memories. <laughs> so I was remembering, mm-hmm. I guess, those times when I was in my carrier, which is a whole other topic about memories and, and how early kids can remember things. I was told recently that, oh, no, you know, babies, you know, or they, kids aren't going to start remembering things for at least, like, two or something of that nature. I call bullshit on that. I remember a lot of things before I was two. And I guess it's, it's probably an individual thing, but I think there's a blanket statement that kids only remember certain things after a certain age is not necessarily accurate. I don't know. I can't pinpoint my earliest memory and, you know, talk to my parents about, okay, this is what I remember. When did that happen to see how old I was? But mm-hmm. I think it was probably right around being two I can remember I had one of those little ride-on toys that had little things that popped up in the in mm-hmm. the bubble and so I was probably two-ish but I don't know I mean especially with the ghost stories we get there's a lot of stories from kids around the age of two or, or three or four when they and they're adults now recalling experiences mm-hmm. and they can pinpoint when some things happened so I don't know I mean Especially with some of that stuff, it makes me wonder, do we repress some things that if if kids are able to see some things that we're not, is it when we get into the more conscious state of being around three or four, are we looking back on some of these things and they're just so shockingly bizarre and odd and well, this doesn't happen in real life now? That we just shut those memories out and we don't really recall them. Or we just attribute it to our imagination yeah. or our imaginary friend. Yeah. I don't know. Could be. Just a thought. If you have a real ghost story, give us a buzz. 855-853-4802. 855-853-4802. Remember to share the show with your friends. And please give us some stars. Give us some ratings there on iTunes. It really helps us a lot as far as growing the show and getting more folks to us. This next letter comes to us from Adriana. Adriana writes in, For as long as I can remember, I've always had a deep fascination with the paranormal. When I was younger, my family never exposed me to stories about ghosts or monsters, nor was I allowed to ever watch these horror movies, but somehow I just knew uh, there were things and beings that existed, spirits of people that once lived or still roamed. Growing up, I had a couple of experiences, a couple of minor ones, and maybe one or two mild ones. Once, I was about 11 or 12, and a lot of my family members had become a lot more open to the subject of the paranormal, and even came forth with many, many tales of their experiences with the spirits of the dead. If I were to share all these with you, this would be incredibly long, but I'll be happy to call in and write back with more stories later on. Today, I will be submitting my most intense and vivid paranormal experience yet. In fact... It occurred only a couple days ago, June 17th, 2014 to be exact. Now before I delve into my story, I'm going to explain the layout of the place where this all happened. When I had my experience, I was in my aunt's large apartment. In her living room, to be exact, there is 
so there's a living room, and on the right side is a huge archway that leads to the dining room. And from the dining room, the kitchen. In the kitchen, you're able to find another archway that leads to the bedrooms. From the living room, you're able to see it into the dining room and straight into the kitchen. The apartment building we live in is pretty old, about 80 years old, and the walls are thin and the room's hollow, so whenever someone is home, you're able to hear every footstep, every word they're speaking. In this building, there are only two apartments, mine upstairs and hers downstairs. Unfortunately, her son, my little cousin, is a sickly child, so he has many troubles with being able to use motor functions, such as walking, and my aunt is currently away with her son for a hospital stay in hopes that a month of therapy will encourage him with walking. My mother is away at work all day and doesn't return until early evening, and my younger brother is away at school and doesn't return until late afternoon, which leaves me in the building alone all day, typically. This past week, my grandmother that lives in Los Angeles arrived to stay with us for the summer, and because she's a very old age, she's forgetful, suffers from nerves, and is mostly deaf. Everyone thought it is best if I stay with her in my aunt's apartment during the day and watch over her. When my experience happened, it was just after lunch, and my grandmother has two-hour breaks in where she sits and reflects, so she had shut off the TV and sat in a lounge from the couch I was lying on, leaving the apartment in total silence. No, no one, and not able to sit in silence with nothing to entertain me, I whipped out my cell phone and began to quietly read an e-book to keep me busy. About ten minutes had crept by of total silence, comfortable silence, when I began to notice this quiet shuffling around. It sounded as if someone with slippers was shuffling about the hardwood floor, although at first I could not distinguish where the sound was coming from immediately. I perked up at the sound, and my first instinct told me to look towards my grandmother. She wore slippers, so maybe she was moving her feet around as she sat. A nervous tick, perhaps. No. My grand was sitting on the lounge chair, her feet firmly planted on the ground. My heart sank in my chest, and I tried to calm down and ignore the shuffling sound. I was relieved to find that after five minutes of sound, the sound was gone. I returned to my cell phone and continued reading. The relief did not last long because moments later the shuffling resumed, and this time much louder. I was frozen and sat up once more, trying to nitpick where the sound was coming from. The kitchen. The footsteps sounded as if they came from slipper-clad feet, solid yet slow, pacing around the kitchen aimlessly. If my grandmother had not been sitting across from me, I would have believed they were coming from her. Undeniably, I was shaken and too frightened to walk straight to the kitchen to see who or what it was, but I did muster up enough courage to peek from behind the archway into the dining room and straight into the kitchen and was unable to see anything, but the shuffling continued. My grandmother must have noticed my stricken expression and that I was leaning to stare into the kitchen because she asked me if I was all right. I didn't want to frighten her, so I told her it was nothing. Anyone that knows me knows that I'm the biggest scaredy cat and panicking as least obvious so that my grandmother could not notice. I called my older sister. I explained to her what I was hearing and even as I spoke on the phone, the footsteps were becoming louder and they now walked from the kitchen to the hall that led to the bedrooms and back. My sister believed me and told me to calm down, to tell it to leave and that it would. That only terrified me even more and I was supposed to talk to this unknown entity now. The footsteps were now walking out the hallway that led to the bedrooms and to the dining room area. Only this fueled my fear. 
I was just about to open my mouth to do as my sister advised and tell it to leave when the footsteps reached the front of the archway that led from the dining room to the living room right next to me. I let out the loudest shriek and began to cry hysterically at that point. Why was it here? Why couldn't it leave me alone? I couldn't take it anymore, and my grandmother had left her spot on the chair to come sit next to me and demanded I tell her what was wrong. I did my best to tell her clearly so that she would understand through my crying. My grandmother had only shook her head at me and did her best to comfort me. She was unable to hear what I was hearing because of her near deafness. It was really hard for me to calm down, especially when the footsteps were continuing their trek into the kitchen once more. I stayed on the phone to my sister for close to an hour because the footsteps were still happening. After my panic attack, they thankfully never approached closer to me again. I had taken an hour and some minutes from the footsteps to completely fade out. I spent the rest of the afternoon in nervousness, afraid that they would return. Later that night, my sister called me again, and she told me if I was willing to listen to something, but warned me that it might freak me out. I told her just to tell me. Nothing would frighten me any more than hearing those footsteps would. So she told me that she thought what I was hearing was possibly the spirit of my grandfather. My grandfather was always very protective of my grandmother and loved her very much, but he passed away when I was only five. In fact, in the early months after his death, my grandmother used to see him, and he would come to her in her dreams when she told him to leave her be and rest in peace. The reason why my sister believes it may have been the spirit of my grandfather is because, for one, before he fell ill and died, he used to walk and wear and walk around in slippers. Two, this entity appeared in the way that my grandmother could not hear or see. Perhaps my grandfather did not want to upset her by letting her know he was still around. And three, when I fell into my panic-induced frenzy of screaming and crying, the footsteps never came close to me again because maybe my grandfather hadn't purposely frightened me and didn't want to scare me as badly again. My sister said he loved me a lot and wouldn't have ever wanted to cause me harm. He made It made sense to me. And although it is a bit creepy, the situation wasn't as scary as I had found it to be. I believe that just maybe this is my grandfather still around to watch over my grand. I have questions. Okay. First question. Okay. So the sister never came right out and said, well, we've never had anything happen like that before in the apartment. So that does make me think it is the grandfather with the grandmother. Okay. So... The, gran- the grandmother lives in a different city, so the ghost can travel with her? I guess if that's who it is, yes, I guess so. Okay, because that was one of the questions I had, is can they travel or are they stuck? Yeah, are you places? stuck when your relatives leave the home that you were all in? Are you then having to deal with the new tenants? Mm-hmm. And that's interesting, because I think in some cases you are. Mm-hmm. But how do you get the passport to continue on with your family? I don't know. I don't know. Do you I, just have to be ready to go on moving day? <laughs> I don't. I mean, and I'm not trying to be silly about no. it. I just it's it's a good question. You know. Yeah, that just that made me wonder. Okay, what are your other questions about it? Those were those were That's it. it. Okay. Yeah, but I mean, if that is the grandfather, I like that he's still watching over the grandmother. But I, I'd be surprised that. Well, I I don't know that I'd be surprised. I just find it interesting that if he can travel with her, that he can, that ghosts can do that. I'd want to be able to do that. I don't want to be stuck in the same place. If 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 you go before me and you're a ghost, I want you stuck someplace so I I not 
you're not following me around. Huh? You would scare me. You would. Really I would be scare. nice. You would not. You would be. And honoring. you would be nice. Well, we're not going to have to worry about that. I'm not going to be a ghost. <laughs> that was part of the wedding vows. I know it was. I know. To be a ghost. Yes, together. And, and to haunt our family for years to come. You, you have to. I'm sorry. You're committed. You're committed to being a ghost. That's just that's how it works. I don't know why. All the ghost stories are creepy to me, but the ones that have just happened creep me out the most. Really? Yeah, I don't know why Even when is. they're kind of nice and peaceful like that? Yeah, but it's still it, granddad it shuffling around with just his days ago with his ghost slippers. Mm-hmm. What I always wonder about is the ghost uh, attire and how that that travels on. God, being a stay-at-home mom, it's going to be mom clothes for me. I'm sure. I mean, how do you do? You have a wardrobe? Can you change clothes as a ghost? I'm, I wonder, I and mean, I'm serious. Can you change your? clothes as a ghost because it sounded like he was wearing slippers so if that's what's making the noise it's slippers it's a piece of attire and you know typically when people see ghosts they're not naked no. so I mean I do I wouldn't think that clothes carry energy but I uh, does a ghost have the way of projecting what they want to look like well I don't know I mean a lot of times you hear about ghosts wearing what they wore when they died but we've also heard about ghosts showing up in what they were buried in. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know if you get to pick. It's an interesting thought. The phone number to call if you have a real ghost story, 855-853-4802, 855-853-4802, or just write into us, realghoststoriesonline.com. Next letter comes into us from Lee. Lee writes, I have several stories to tell you from some of a very young age, and some even today. The one that I love to tell isn't your average story. It's not long on by no means but one I will carry to me for with me for all times I'm going to give you a little background information just to uh, keep you up to date when I was little before I ever went to school I had a next door neighbor by the name of Chad he was my age we were always into mischief he had to move away a few years later and we lost touch one day during our 8th grade year I was 13 he was 14 or 15 he walked up to me and began telling me about all the things we used to do together when we were toddlers. I remembered it like it was yesterday. The very next day, I awoke to news that my long-lost best friend had committed suicide. Chad was gone forever. Now, my middle sister and I have always been very close. We talk about everything, and when we can, we still like to play catch-up. This story takes place when I was 19. She had moved away, and we barely got to speak anymore. One weekend, she was visiting with me, At the time, I lived with my mother, my grandmother, and my two younger twin brothers. Everyone was in bed except me and her. I had one of the very first track phones that hit the market. I had turned off my phone so me and her could talk without any interruptions. Right in the middle of our conversation, my phone rings. Without hesitation, I picked it up. Laid against the back of the couch, here's how the conversation went. Hello? Lee? Yes. Are you busy? No, why? Silence. I took my phone away from my ear, sat bolt upright. My sister looks at me, asks what's the matter, wondering what was going on. I looked like I had seen a ghost. I turned my phone towards her and said, it's off. My phone is off. She made the statement that maybe it had died. I told her no. I turned it off when she arrived. She asked me who it was, and I knew exactly who it was. It was Chad. 
Six months later, I received the exact same phone call on the same phone when I was in a no-service zone. I'm not 29, and I've yet to call another... I yet to have another call from him, but knowing that he reached out to me made me feel like he needed peace. To know that I am never too bad to still call on. And in some weird way, I can wait for him to call me again. Just thought that was something that needed to be shared. Not all ghostly experiences have a scary or harmful ending, but a lesson of spirit and humanity. Thank you for the yeah. ghost call story. I've always had a, a real interest and still do in um, disorders and mental illness. And obviously, if somebody commits suicide, they are not well. Mm-hmm. And so my question, because we've had a couple of stories where somebody's committed suicide and they come back as a ghost. Are you free of your illness? Because it sounds like... I would hope so. Yeah. It sounds like they're they're acting almost more like a normal person in death. Yeah. Than they did in life. You would you would certainly hope so, but I mean you but you still have some of those tortured ghosts out there mm-hmm. that seem to still be plagued by the same things that plagued them in life in the afterlife. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I mean, it almost makes me wonder if you know if you do become a ghost, there's something you're still not finished with yet, and. I think some of them, I maybe have some sort of revelation and are able to move past some of those things by being more aware, I don't know, or that that moves away from them. And I think some are still plagued and still trying to get to whatever mission it is they're needing to complete and are still, you know, being dragged down by one of those horrible things. Okay. You know, I think it's very much a case-by-case basis, and there's no way of knowing, you know? That's, no. That's the scary part, you yeah. know? You know, I would certainly hope, you know, that that would be gone, but there's stories that make you think, you know, this, this one, obviously, you know, this person didn't get this to go away in death. No. But some, you know, some do, you know? And, and it's interesting what seems to go away and what doesn't seem to go away. Like, sometimes when you hear of an elderly person who dies, they had Alzheimer's or something, when their ghost is back, that's like the ghost that ends up going and taking care of the grandkids or comforting them at night or doing good things. It doesn't sound like they have Alzheimer's anymore. No. You know, it sounds like they're back to where they were at a good point in life, and they're trying to be a helpful family member again as a ghost. You know, but when you hear the stories of depression and stuff, you don't, there's a lot of darkness there still, I think. Mm-hmm. And unresolved issues. So, I don't know. I don't know either. It was just a thought. I yeah. guess a hopeful thought. Sure. The phone number to call is 855-853-4802. 855-853-4802. If you have a real ghost story you'd like to share with us, you can call that number 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And of course, please do, if you've not done so yet, if you're listening to us on iTunes right now, take a moment Give us a positive review. Give us some stars there. That helps us climb those charts. And we do thank you for getting us way up there on those uh, science charts. We're in the uh, top 10 consistently. Um, We thank you so much for that. Um, But let's keep working on that. Let's keep getting us up there. And more folks are going to find us as we, uh, we, we raise ourselves up in that chart. 
and we can get more and more ghost stories in here for you every single week. This next letter comes into us from Christine. Christine writes in, thank you for reading my submissions in the Real Ghost Stories Online episode entitled Demonic Trolls. All right. I know these submissions were of experiences that were a bit out of the norm, so I thank you uh, for and your lovely wife for being <laughs> open-minded about them. Please see another submission below. I'll uh, send a few more in uh, as well. So here is her next uh, submission that she writes in. Good, I didn't insult her. I don't think I insulted. I, I, I try not to insult. I make jokes sometimes, but I, I really, I do take all the calls and all the letters that come into us seriously. I don't remember what I said about trolls, but I believe I said some jokes. I think she was, if I'm if I'm remembering right, and I apologize if I'm not, but I think she was the one, she and her sister would sleep in the same room, and she would see the little troll person in the doorway. Is that the one that looked like the mother, or was that the other story? I think that, well... Because there was two trolls. There was a yeah. troll in the doorway, and there was a troll that looked like the mother. I remember both and, the stories vividly. I'm sorry I yeah. forgot the names. So, anyhow, we do thank you for your stories. That's greatly appreciated. Uh, let's go on to your new letter. Uh, this says, I had many strange and supernatural experiences throughout my entire life. This particular experience I'm about to share happened about five years ago when I was seriously injured in my back. Just after the injury, I was in a very bad shape and constantly suffering from pain, numbness and tingling all over my body. I was not on any serious pain medication, though. I was just using basic pain relievers at this point in my injury. This is an important detail to note, since what happened next was certainly experienced in a very conscious and non-drugged state. One night, it was just me. I was lying in my bed. My husband had fallen asleep about 30 minutes before, so I could hear him silently breathing, even though he was facing away from me. The night was very quiet in the apartment that we lived in at that time. I was again in agony and was having no luck falling asleep. Out of sheer frustration and pain, I quietly began to sob. I felt so helpless since no position I laid in would help relieve the pain and allow me to sleep. I cried and thought to myself, please, I just want this pain to go away. Not ten seconds after I thought this, I heard a distinctive noise above where my head lay on the pillow. This is difficult to describe, however. It was what I would best call a swooshing of the pillowcase material, which descended until the noise came down near the levels of my ears. I was still in silence, not understanding what this was. A split second after the sound, I saw a black shape move from my left side where it then hovered above my chest. I kept watching it out of sheer curiosity. I was honestly fascinated at this point. This thing was blacker than black. In color and its solid yet strangely fluid mass began to stretch over my arms where they were positioned straight on my sides. While it hovered, it began to mimic the shape of my arms and chest. Soon, it slowly started to partially sink into my chest. For a few seconds, it was in contact with my body. I felt no more pain at all in my entire body. It was like someone had flipped off or on a switch. I continued to observe the shape which continued to stretch out towards my legs where it began to mimic all of them as well. I then caught on that it wanted to fully descend into my body. My natural defense instinct kicked in and in a stern voice I told it to get out. As soon as I said that, it quickly stopped transforming and it rushed backwards from where it had come from. Once again, I heard the distinctive swooshing of my pillowcase going in the opposite direction this time. Then, I sensed it was gone. With that, my pain returned. Although it was lessened for the remainder of the night, I was able to fall asleep not long afterwards. 
Nowadays, I can only suppose that this was a shadow person. I know many people believe that shadow people are typically malevolent, but this one did not seem to want to harm me. Most notably, it obeyed me when I asked it to leave, so it respected my wishes. Therefore, I cannot fully believe it was a malevolent figure. However, as the event was happening, I could not allow anything to enter my body like that. I simply was not prepared for what might have happened next. I was not frightened by this experience. Rather, I say that I learned that they, whoever they may be, can hear us, especially when we are in a heightened emotional state. I've not heard of one actually contacting somebody. Have you heard of that before? Not like that, where they're trying to get into the person. That's that's kind of scary. I, I don't blame her for telling it to get away mm-hmm. you know because you I don't know that's where it runs through your mind all of the things especially if you're into this topic you're thinking oh it's it's getting to you because it's taking the pain away now this could either be like an angelic type figure that's trying to help you and essentially absorb the pain and take it away or it could be some sort of demonic force that's trying to take over your body and you're, it knows it's going to let or has a better chance of you letting it in if it takes the pain away because it's a positive thing but oh it's got you and now you're walking down the hall doing the crab walk right uh, you know, no that's kind spinning. of that's what I was thinking was that okay it's using you know that's that's it's it's shoe in I guess is yeah. getting the pain to go away or it could have just been a really harmless angel that got his feelings hurt. It's too chancy. I wouldn't have risked it. I don't blame you for telling it to get out, and I'm glad it left. Yeah. that's And that's interesting that it just left when it, you mm-hmm. asked it to, too. Which I think, uh, if you go by the rules of uh, the demonology and things of that nature, I think they do have to leave you alone. I don't know how these rules work. I don't know why they work. I don't know who sets them. But I believe... Uh, demonic forces and stuff and I'm not necessarily saying that I believe this is how it works in all cases but I'm saying I believe this is how or what the rules are set that demonologists follow Mm -hmm. of is that you actually have to invite these entities in for them to have permission to get into your home and into you it has to be physically invited in Um, telling it to get out I don't know how much power you got there no but um, once it's in did the Warrens ever write a book about the rules of that? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think they have a couple of books out. I was actually. curious. I think that there's a couple of books um, that uh, that they do have out. Um, they have a website that looks like it's from 1994 with almost dancing babies. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it really does. It looks like something out of like 1994. Someone really should help them with a better website. Um, but uh, let me look. Now, Warrens.net is their website. Uh, okay, well, it still looks like Dancing Babies. See? Complete with a sight oh counter gosh. and all. Yeah. Um, I believe there is some books here. Yeah. I th- and, and if not, she's uh, contributed. They both contributed to many, um, many books that were written as contributing authors and such. But um, that's a good question. Uh, there you go. The ghost that tries to go in uh, you to get rid of the pain. Or it could just be another happy customer of Ghost in a Jar. 
Yeah, ghost in a jar. That was the one that you you got extra, you know, that's a pain-relieving ghost. Pain-relieving ghost. It's the Tylenol ghost. But wait, there's more. Oh, wow. <laughs> you get the ghost in the jar. So. There you go. Get a real ghost story. Let us know about it. 855-853-4802 is a phone number to call in 24 hours a day, seven days a week at about 10 minutes where you can just leave your ghost story for us and we'll play it back on a future episode or write into us, Real Ghost Stories Online. And of course, share the show. Let a friend know about us. That helps us grow and of course, get you more ghost stories as quickly as we can get them. We can get them right back out to you. So do share your stories and share the show with a friend. So for Jenny Bruski, I am Tony Bruski. Thank you for listening to another episode of Real Ghost Stories Online. 